247 here, uh, aka Austin Swanson, coming at you with a video on Cardlytics, a company I've been very interested in. I've been following for a while. Um, I just completed a very detailed, long write-up on the company. There's quite a bit that actually, <laughs> even after I finished, that I didn't have in here, and I hope to talk about that in this video, but I might do another write-up later. Um, I am going to try to get the, through this pretty quickly, so I'm not going to go over every single thing that is on this write-up. Um, it would take me probably more than two hours to go through all that. Uh, but this write-up, if, if, if I don't touch on something or you see something when I'm skimming through everything that's interesting, it'll be one of the first links in the description. Um, and it's a completely free article on my Substack that you can just read. Um, and I plan on making another one in the future, but uh, that's a follow-up to this with a, a few more details that I wanna touch on. But everything is in bullets for the most part uh, with big headers. And so you can skim it much more easily than just a long text um, that way, again, this maybe isn't something you just want to read through from start to end. But if you do, great. <laughs> um, okay, I should start off. This is not investment advice. This is uh, for informational purposes only. I am not recommending Carlytics. I'm not recommending that you purchase Carlytics. This company uh, could go to zero and it could be an awful investment. All right, so with that, <laughs> let's start with, uh, just so you can get an idea to see if you're even interested in hearing what I have to say. Uh, currently, shares have changed a little bit since then, but it, currently it's about a $4.5 billion market cap. Um, and I feel there's a potential for it to be an 80 billion or, or even higher uh, from five to 10 years from now. And so we will walk through that. The reason why I just say that right off the bat is if I said to you guys, hey, it's a $4.5 billion market cap and it might be 4.6. I mean, <laughs> like, that would be a waste of a video. I would hate to get to the very end, let alone you'll see those write-ups that are super long. And at the very end, it's just like, oh, that 10% that higher, right? There's, there's large potential here and that's what I'm gonna get into. So quick overview. Again, I'm gonna go through this quite quickly. Uh, what Cardlytics is, is it's a system that works with the banks um, such that the banks will have a platform where advertisers or marketers can place ads or offers, that's what we're seeing right here, um, in the bank channel based on uh, transactional data. And so just a quick gist of this, um, this is actually my Chase offers that I've received and I can click on them and activate them. And so you see JCPenney and Disney Plus and Starbucks are all activated. And so if I now go and do a transaction, uh, let's say I go to Starbucks and I use my card that relates to this. When I do that, I will get a notification if I have it turned on. It'll say, hey, you just used 5% uh, back at Starbucks and we'll send you a credit uh, for your statement. So Starbucks won't even know what's going on um, per se, uh, but it, this works out really well for like franchises where maybe the marketing's handled at like the corporate level. And so they don't have to do all those huge advertising campaigns where they have to send everyone, you know, these posters and do all these different, you know, it's much easier to control at the headquarters level and they don't even need to tell the individual franchisees you know, that there's an ad campaign going on, but they'll still all benefit from them. So that's super interesting. But as you can see, offers depend, you know, 10%, 20%, 5%. And I might use Starbucks quite a bit here as an example, just cause it's kind of easy to think about. Uh, but maybe they see, um, uh, you know, Starbucks can see my transactional data um, and they might say, oh wow, you know, Austin goes to Dunkin' Donuts on this street every single morning. Um, and he spends $9. They might not see that, you know, exactly what I'm buying. They won't see that right now. Um, and we'll get into that with bridge with SKU level data. But at, 
at the higher end, they are getting just that statement about like what you would see on a, on your bank statement. But they but then Starbucks can say, wow, there's a Starbucks right down the street. Let's offer um, him 5% and see if he goes. And then maybe I don't activate it and don't use it. So they go up 10% or go up 15%. Um, I've actually seen it the other way with a local pizza place where I got like a 20%, used it. Next time I got a 15%, used it. And then it went down to 5% and I haven't used it. So I'm now really interested to see, you know, based on, you know, that feedback loop, because they can now see, you know, I got that offer, activated it, used it, or didn't use it. They're getting that data back um, and they can adjust offers as they go. So it becomes really interesting as an advertising platform. Um, and, you know, what's going on is like in this, in the example of like Starbucks or pizza, uh, they will pay for the well it depends on the situation because there's two different pricing models there's the cost per served model and cost per uh redemption model and we will get into that here in a little bit but the gist is you know an advertiser will pay for the total amount of like a consumer incentive plus the amount that goes to carlytics that that amount so you have the total billings which is the total amount like the advertiser is paying you minus the consumer incentives and then what's left is the revenue to Carlytics. Uh, then Carlytics pays the bank a portion, and then there's some other fees, and then you have your fixed costs, employees, software, whatever, um, and then you will have your cash flow. Okay, so that's kind of big gist. So the big banks that uh, Carlytics is on, uh, we have you know JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, um, Bank of America, US Bank's gonna be on there, there's some international banks, and then we'll talk about DOSH and how that might help with getting some other banks. So one interesting thing is thinking of like all the parties that are involved in this. One way to one reason that this is important is let's say for instance the banks didn't benefit from this, right? So we have advertisers that are involved because they're placing the ads. We have consumers that are involved because they're seeing the offers and using them. We have banks involved because we're using their platform, and using their data, and we have Carlytics, who's actually you know the one controlling all this, using the data, doing the data, working with the advertisers, then advertising across all the bank platforms, and they're getting you know making money off this, and that's who you could invest in. Uh, but if someone like a bank wasn't earning any money. Uh, they might say, no, you're not taking our data and advertising our platform. Or a consumer, if this wasn't good for them and they were receiving these personalized offers or they weren't saving money, maybe they wouldn't even use this. Or advertisers, maybe if they it wasn't a brand safe in, uh, advertising platform, they might be like, well, we have better platforms like Facebook and YouTube that we can advertise on. So it's really important that everyone, you'll, you'll hear about it, like the constituents in the ecosystem. Um, it's really important that everyone has a benefit because then there's no headwinds. Like everyone's moving in the same direction. Everyone enjoys this. Everyone kind of helps each other out. And so, uh, just real quick, advertisers again, they're they're you. They have a brand safe environment. Meaning, uh, YouTube a while back they had a whole incidence where you know you place an ad on a channel that maybe you think, oh, that's the audience we want. But then some of those channels, you can't control necessarily what they're putting out there, right? And so there was a, a few years ago, I don't want to name any names, but uh, there was a big ordeal where then a, a channel was putting out some really questionable content and a lot of advertisers were pulling their uh, ads, not only from that, but like YouTube in general. So a lot of, uh, I remember YouTubers and everyone else was talking about how much their ad revenue was going down after that. And so when you're in a bank channel, Again, we're looking at this picture, like we don't have to worry about the content. Like in, it's a safe environment, like it's, it's a bank. People really trust that. Um, another benefit, you're targeting based on prior transactions. So think about it, what better way to know what someone's gonna buy than what they've already been buying? Instead of just advertising to everybody or based on what they've liked or looked at, it's like, we know that they bought this, 
So they're likely to buy something else related to this. Uh, it also works well of advertising against customers that you don't know. So you can think of Starbucks, right? Um, they have their loyalty program. They have emails that maybe people provided when they're doing their checkout. And so they have that data and they can target those people and send them offers. The problem with that is that those are cust those are their existing customers. What about me who goes to Dunkin' Donuts, right? Well, they. this is why I, I've had some pushback on this of saying, well, uh, someone like Starbucks will never need Cardlytics because they have a superior app and they can track all that data. But <laughs> the point is, is Starbucks can try to get customers that don't already go there. And this is actually supported by the fact that Starbucks, if you look at, if you click on this ad, I can't because it's just a picture, it'll say download our app today. So they're trying to get those customers, customers to convert, you know, from a different copy, coffee shop to come to Starbucks. Okay. Um, and you get that direct feedback loop with this this because you see if they actually went to that uh, that store and used your offer, it'll it'll appear on their statement. Um, so this is actually a really interesting thing with a Dosh, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more. But it's a way to let me see what I say here. Just so also can now advertise on Dosh first. See this, yeah. So you the thing with Cardlytics when and what I when I mean by Cardlytics that was the existing first company, and they're what on your offers page on a bank. Right. The thing you'll see is like this offers 27 days, 27 days, 11 days left, 20 days left. These are long campaigns that are locked in. They're not changing day to day. On Dosh, uh, a company that Carlytics acquired just two months ago, I think now, uh, early March, is they have offers on there that will switch like during the day. They can, so you can test out different offers a lot. And this is actually really interesting and a, a point that I think is worth making is I was just listening to an interview with someone who works at American Express who's dealing with like the advertising and, uh, and advertisers. And he said that they've had a lot of advertisers who want to do a lot of different testing um, before they, they do an ad campaign, but they said, no, we can't really do that. We can only do like one at a time. And that is exactly what Cardlytics had at, at one point. But now with Dosh, advertisers can you go to Dosh, which is essentially I should just explain what Dosh is. Let's just go over there quick. Um, so Dosh is doing the same thing with card linked offers, uh, but it's this own independent app but it's also on some other smaller banks and financial institutions and some neo banks, including Venmo. So if you have Venmo, you can actually get a Venmo debit card um, and use your balance. And there's a section for Venmo offers and that's powered by Dosh. The reason I'm going to this page is like, this actually just shows you kind of what it looks like. So as you can see, it's kind of similar of seeing these offers. Um, there's a little bit better user interface. It has stuff for travel um, and what I compare Dosh to. So again, where, card, where Cardlytics is based it's already integrated with the banks and it's card dependent. So I have like, I have two different chase cards and I'll have two different sections of offers for each of those cards. And most of these offers are like a one-time offer. Like it might be Starbucks 5% off, uh, but it might be in say until $3 is reached. Uh, but most of them like this uh, Benjamin Moore paint might be $10 or 10% back um, just one time. What I compare or what I've like thought about Dosh more is, is similar to how like, Chase and other uh, maybe local credit or, call, or uh, community credit unions have is like a, a debit card or credit card more likely where it's like you get one and a half to two percent back and people love that. Um, I remember Costco or I think it was Costco and they have like they'd have a, a certain brand card and you could get up to four percent at Costco, right? Well, on Dosh, I can link any card I want. I can use any card. I can put it on there unless it's part of that bank, right? This is the app itself, like Venmo. It has to be the Venmo debit card. Um, 
But what you can see is like, oh, I have 4% at uh, Papa John's, which is pretty high in comparison to 1.5% back. Or you have Domino's at 8%. I've seen stuff recently, I'm tracking it very often, up to like 15%. So where the other banks will offer something that's just you know a flat fee, you have this platform that can get much higher. And then the those individual marketers, advertisers, ad agencies, whatever, how you ever want to look at it, they're the ones funding these offers. And then, you know, the bank gets a cut of the revenue um, and then Dosh or Cardlytics will get what's left over. So if we just kind of go back to that whole consumer incentive or uh, the benefits to everybody, uh, for consumers, again, it's a free platform. They get some personalized offers. They're saving money. They have all these offers in a centralized lo location. I use this often to think, hey, where should I eat tonight? I feel like a burger. Is there any offer? Because the other night I or last week, I had an offer for 20% off Red Robin. So I was like, might as well go there, right? Uh, banks, they're able to earn additional revenue by monetizing this. Uh, they get benefit from increased use of the app and increased use of their cards. So if you have something like Google Pay and I can use any card I want, well, I'll just default back to the same card I always used where Cardlytics, it's like, wow, I, I'm gonna go to Starbucks today. Which card do I need to use? Oh, I need to use this exact card to get this. I can't default to my credit, you know, my, my local, uh, credit unions card, I have to use my bank card with this specific card. So the banks really like this and then Carlux obviously likes it because they can get revenue. So without getting all the, the comparisons to a lot of different ad platforms, we have Facebook, Instagram, uh, ads in the browser. I mean the quick, I'll get into this, uh, TV, radio, other print, um, and then loyalty emails and apps. If I was gonna make one quick comparison, you can go back through this and read it if you want again, link will be down below. Um, the biggest thing that I've never really heard people talk about that I've thought about is the whole idea of being like solicited versus unsolicited. I know I'm talking really fast. It's already been 13 minutes and I'm not even that far into this. So I'm trying to <laughs> get into this. But a reason why Carlytics can be really interesting for advertisers is um, think about, uh, we'll start at the bottom, loyalty emails and apps, right? I have my, those like offers will just go, I'll either skip through them because I'm not looking at my emails for an offer or I'll go into spam. Uh, if I'm in a magazine, I'll just flip through. Radio, turn the channel instantly. Uh, TV, mute it. <laughs> uh, ads and browsers, I'm using ad block right now. I don't know if that's like, is that allowed? Uh, and Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, I'm usually just skipping through it, right? So Carlytics though, right? What's different, for all the other platforms, I'm there for a different reason. I'm looking at something, my eyeballs are there. So advertisers like that, they're like, let's play some ads there. But I'm not there for the advertisement. With, or with Carlytics, you have to choose to look at these offers, right? You have to say, I want to look at these. And so it's 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 welcomed. And so it's much more receptive. You're more likely to see and look at what's out there and remember it and use it. Um, there's just n nothing like that really for advertising, right? Advertising is such a struggle um, from that perspective of trying to just meet where the eyeballs are at. But instead it's, it's more like advertisers can place these ads in a place where, you know, Consumers are going in their bank channel to do something else, presumably, like check their bank statement. And at the same time, it's like, while they're thinking about money, hey, here's some offers where you can save some money. So it just becomes a little bit more receptive, at least I feel like. Uh, consumer propositions. One thing that has struggled right now is selection size. And I think this is something that can actually increase over time. And it's actually a huge factor of this. But a lot of people say, okay, they'll look at their app. If you go to your, your Wells Fargo, uh, Chase, or whatever whatever it may be that's powered by Carlytics, you might look and you see, my dad, for instance, has nine offers. None pertain to him. So his thought is, how is this company gonna do well? 
I'm not using this. I don't like this. Well, that's the whole point right now, right? Like if this was already known, if this was like they were having a hundred offers on there and everyone was using it, it'd probably be reflected in, in the, the price of the company and there'd be no investment here, right? And so what I track diligently is to see, are there new advertisers coming on? Because the whole thought is, is as more advertisers come on, the selection size grows and you're all, or, and or, you're more likely to have more relevant offers that can be targeted to individuals. And uh, CEO Lynn Lobby has even said they have waited to send notifications to individuals uh, until they get more offers on the platform. And part of the reason, if you're, then you might say, well, the reason for that, to finish that thought, is you would hate to, so using my dad for instance, you would hate to send him an email, say, hey, come out, check out Carlytics, or check, check out uh, your Wells Fargo offers. And he looks and he sees nothing that's relevant to him. Forever, he'll skip over that section because he's like, there's nothing there. But if you, they wait and they have 100 offers and they're in both, and maybe there's like 20% of them that are really relevant, he might be more likely to use that and be like, this is great. I can't wait to use this more often. So they're waiting for that. And so what has to happen, this is why I'm, if you go on my Twitter, I have this whole thread of tracking what's going on of Carlytics. I'm on observation like 21, I think. Um, <laughs> and I'm constantly checking the app and say, are there new advertisers? Am I seeing more? Is there interesting things? And a catalyst for this is the self-service platform. It's talked all about, you know, all the time. It might happen this year. It's, a, it's supposed to, um, where essentially on all other ad, ad platforms like Facebook or YouTube, like I could just go on right away online and place an ad. Super easy to do it myself. With Carlytics, you have to call them up or I don't actually even know how you, you'd have to, maybe you send, I don't know. That's the difficulty, right? There's that friction right now. And so they can't handle a ton of advertisers because they're doing it themselves. It just doesn't work. So instead, they need the self-service platform. They already have it working in beta. They're using it with ad agencies. One of them, I believe, is VaynerMedia. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, that's his ad agency. Um, I followed him for a while. Um, he's all about social media and you know go, he's the one who always said go where the eyeballs are at and he I believe back in February they obtained the like the account for American Eagle and I've seen American Eagle on both Chase and Dosh um, but since then I have not so I'm trying to that might be a you know those are the things I'm always looking for because my whole thesis is is as more advertisers come on the users gonna use it more um, they can redeem more offers we're gonna get more revenue they'll attract more banks as more banks come on there's more users there's more data so more advertisers want to come on so that's another big thing that I'll just say right now before I forget is another reason why there hasn't been all these advertisers until recently is it wasn't that long ago that Carlytics only had a few big banks and they were at maybe 50 60 million monthly active users and use um, and, and over the last couple of years they obtained wells fargo and jp morgan chase and they've went and now i think u.s bank's gonna be coming on soon and so they have attained like an, an additional like 100 million users and so now they're, they're currently at 163 monthly active users why is that important well think of what's i was thinking of in, in extremes imagine you only had 10 users Try to try and go convince uh, Starbucks to advertise on your platform. It's just not worth their time, right? They need enough advertisers and that enough scale uh, to make it worth their time to do it, let alone it until there's a self-service platform. Um, but that's also, that's a huge reason why it's taken until now to get to the scale. They spent the first like 10 years or so working on acquiring the banks, getting them comfortable, pooling their resources, because this is 
I'm getting ahead of myself, but it all gets really interesting. So back to the consumer, they also like it because it's free to use. And not only is it free, because it's already part of the bank, is they're saving money. Uh, convenient, it's really nice having all those offers in one place. Again, I went back to that thing of, you know, I make my decisions based on my offers. If I was thinking about a sandwich, why go to Subway when I have a 25% off Jimmy John's? Um, experience, way better than coupons, where I have to like hand it at the store. Um, there's bad stigma on coupons. And so why have that that hurdle you have to get over? So it's just, it's automatically on the card. The cashier doesn't even know. You just swipe your card. Again, it's extremely easy to activate. Uh, and on that front, again, all about friction. I remember getting an email where it said, hey, look at these offers. And I thought, am I gonna have to click on this, sign into my bank account um, and activate the offers that way? No, they've reduced the friction to the point where if I even get an email, I can click on it in the email and it's automatically activated. So I thought that was cool. So Dosh, we've already talked about Dosh, uh, but we haven't really, you know, talked about, you know, where this helps. So when Cardlytics was going through and acquiring the big banks like the Wells Fargo's um, and JP Morgan, uh, it, super long integration times and trying to get everything working within the banks. Because again, it's a platform in those bank channels. So when you start thinking and you're like, okay, if they wanted to scale more and they wanted more monthly active users, which is something they don't talk about as much anymore. They said they'd be happy to get American Express, uh, but that's probably not going to happen. They have done so much effort as a full ecosystem with personalization and spent so much time and money that I just, it's so low, low probability. But with Dosh, an interesting thing is, is they have quicker in, uh, integration times, right? And so what that allows for is all those small financial institutions, small banks, neobanks, is if they want, they were attracted by the amount of revenue that banks were getting and they wanted to be a part of this and not have to do all the work themselves and have the big scale to get all the big advertisers and attract new customers and make money. Um, they could work with Carlytics, but they would probably get the DOSH interface, similar to how if you go to Venmo and you can see their offers. Um, so that is something that Carlytics will be benefited by. Uh, Advertisers, like I said before, have spoke freely about saying they want to be able to test things. Uh, again, I've seen uh, offers change throughout the day of, you know, between going from 2% to 5% to only, uh, I had a, I think it was Dunkin' Donuts and Popeyes that would say, oh, between 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., you get an extra 5% extra off. Uh, but there's also just like, you'll see offers just go, you know, way quicker where they're on there, they're gone, compared to Chase because they're locked in for a long time, you know, 20 days, 27 days. Um, so DOSH allows advertisers to test before they roll out a bigger campaign on a lot, much larger platform. So they can benefit that way. And again, increasing the network effects, which we'll talk about here in a sec. And same thing with sharing of advertisers. Um, I'll just, I'll leave this, I'll just say this brief. They talk a lot, so on DOSH, you don't have to activate the offers where on Carlytics, you remember you have to like press, you have to click these and activate them. Um, CEO Lynn Loby talked about like that they would investigate this, but I feel like the activation part requiring me to actually activate these offers forces me to be more aware of what's going on. If these were all just automatically applied, I would probably just assume, you know, like, oh, I'll probably get save some money here and there. Where this is like, oh, I have to go look at the offers, what's available, make, and it helps me make a decision. It increases my engagement, my awareness, my usage, my redemptions that will lead to more advertisers, more revenue. Like, I feel like it's a very important component, let alone there's two pricing models. Uh, I think I've just already mentioned them, but if I haven't, the cost per serve sale and cost per redemption, um, and it might, without the, I don't know if, if every offer just became automatically redeemed, uh, it might mess up with their cost per served model, where the cost per served model 
Cardlytics gets paid regardless if there's a redemption, but they get paid if there was a sale. So if I went to Starbucks but didn't activate my offer, I'm still getting paid, or Cardlytics is still getting paid. Where the cost per redemption, there has to be an actual redemption. So if everything was just redeemed all the time, there wouldn't be a difference, I think, between cost per serve and cost per redemption. I might be wrong. I might be wrong about so much of this. Again, feel free to reach out to me. I love talking about it. I'm super interested in it. Um, so here was a quick little graphic I made. I remember reading about someone saying, if you need a flywheel to explain something, you don't understand it. Fine. <laughs> but I like these because it helps me visualize because my, you know, I have all these thoughts and my brain's turning and I'm like, you know, what's going on here? Uh, just to really quickly walk through this. So the whole like, you know, network effect that's, can I zoom this in? I can't, but I can explain it. it, is essentially as we add more banks on Cardlytics, we have more monthly active users. This also leads to more data, which might attract new advertisers, but more monthly active users just because of the scale and advertising more people attracts new and existing advertisers to do more ads. As you have, and then there's their more ads. And as you have more and more ads, you're, you're taking in more average revenue per user. Uh, and that attracts more and more banks. And as you get more banks out of the platform, there's more users and just just keeps going, right? And there's some more nuances to that. But imagine you see, you know, average revenue per user is super high and you're actually, you know, as a small local community credit union, you could be making a lot more money. Um, and you want to do this. Well, before Cardless with their long integration times and all the regulations uh, around that, they it might not have been practical. But now with Dosh, again, we have this, I'll try to zoom out. They, if they're attracted, they can go to Dosh, get integrated like the Venmo, Betterment, Elvis, Elvis. Um, they're attracted. That adds more users. Again, more data. That even might be enough data to attract new users of Cardlytics, but we'll say the more data leads, you know, it, it, you don't even need the data. Just there's more scale, more people to advertise to. You get new advertisers, which is more ads, more revenue, more revenue, attracts more people. Go, go, go. Right? Just the in, just keeps scaling, right? The network effects. But also, the one thing we've actually seen so far is, so here's some of... Let's see if I have any more. So, so perfect example, Disney Plus was an advertiser that was on Dosh, and I don't think they were on Cardlytics until acquisition. But now, I mean, this is my offers. Here's Disney Plus, right? So you have this benefit that advertisers of Dosh can also go to Cardlytics and fund this cycle, and then advertisers of Cardlytics could go over to Dosh. And I, you would hope to see a self-service platform that allows both like you can do the testing on dosh but then do the advertising on carlytics um and just make it one seamless program i mean that's ultimately what should happen so the other acquisition that just happened recently was bridge which is dealing with SKU level so if you remember so all these offers are at the the company level uh five percent off all of starbucks um or jc penny 20 off all of jc penny uh, where so certain companies might not want to advertise that because their margins change so much, you know, between category uh, within their company. And so they need to do offers at the SKU or product level. And that's what Bridge is doing, right? And how they need to do this is they all work with the point of sale systems of each retailer, get that data, and then they can actually, uh, it, this is a SaaS based program and that's their revenue model, like a subscription fee. Uh, they can use that, they can do the offers or analyzing of the data at the SKU level and then use trade desk to do advertising more on the internet rather than the bank channel. And so I guess the big comparison is where bridge does the analyzing of data at the SKU level, Cardlytics does it at the transaction level. Okay. Um, what's unique is it's a really fast onboarding process in comparison to Cardlytics. Um, and they're doing the, kind of like uh, Cardlytics, it's also about the insight of the unknown customer. It's the person that's not in the loyalty program or the email. Um, so that's interesting and goes coincides with Cardlytics. The 
more important thing that I feel I, I was thinking about is like if, if Cardlytics wanted to get really big and, and benefit greatly, they need to get that skew level detail to get the people like Procter & Gamble, to get Nike, who doesn't want to just do a straight ad. They want to offer on certain uh, products, right? And my thought was, as I was trying to go through this thought experiment, I'm like, man, if they have to work and integrate with all these retailers, this is going to be a huge process. They'll probably do the big ones like a Walmart and Target, but they're not going to do all the small companies. I don't know. I mean, will they ever get to small, medium businesses? I just couldn't see it happening. But Bridge has, is able to integrate with like 90% of point of sale systems uh, solutions and in a short time frame. So this becomes really interesting that, that maybe they can do this, right? Uh, so I, I really like that part of it. Um, of course, so some advantages. Okay, so Carlos talked about why they like this. One thing is they can get in the measurement business. Again, you can read through all this if you're interested in reading about more, especially because this was the big one, right? This was the big new one. Um, but also the other thing is like there were certain clients that Carlos could never get because they didn't have that product level data. And so maybe now Bridge will be the solution to that, especially as they integrate. Uh, but that might take like two years to do that integration. Uh, but over the next year, I, what Carlos has said is that they're gonna just help Bridge scale their existing platform um, and then as they scale, improve the concept um, and get banks more comfortable with it, they'll try to do the integration where uh, essentially they can use Bridges data at the SKU level to do product level advertisements in the bank channel. But for now, they're kind of separate. So bit more important thing is a lot of people, actually when Bridge was announced, I can't remember about Dosh, but when Bridge was announced, the stock actually dropped down quite a bit, like 10 or 15%, I, think. I can't remember exactly. It got down to like 102. Uh, there might be a reason I know that. Uh, <laughs> I, but what was interesting is I remember talking to some people and I'm like, why do you, why is the market acting like this, right? Like, I feel like we need skew level data. Um, and the thing was about the purchase prices. So again, Cardlytics, maybe four, 4.5 billion. They're making over, you know, six, hundred million dollars in acquisitions so dosh was 275 million with cash and stock bridge 350 million they had some earnouts um and so what is that like 15 percent of carlitics market market cap was these big acquisitions and prior to this i don't think carlitics ever made an acquisition so these were big ones back to back um and so i'm thinking you know people are thinking these are high prices the other thing is dosh and bridge i think if you go into like linkedin or look at all these companies online they have a very small amount of employees and so it's like like that's a lot of revenue or a lot of uh, money to pay for those individual smaller companies i totally agree okay i don't disagree with that but one way to think about this is what by buying these and as they work with Carlytics, what does that do? In a thought experiment, this might not be accurate. This might not be correct. Again, I understand that. It's just a way I'm trying to think about this is what I said is like, imagine you just got one extra advertiser out of this because you could do the integration. We're not talking about just time, like time zero. We're talking over the next 10 years, right? Let's say now Target can advertise on here. And let's say the average consumer will spend $20 at Target and save 10% off for $2. That's to me very reasonable, especially if it's an individual category, something they're interested in that, you know, Target can provide that. I, I, okay, I know that's actually really reasonable because I know my wife uses Target Circle app, which maybe is a competitor. Maybe that's why it doesn't happen. We'd have to, I'd have to really, I haven't actually thought about that until now, but she has redeemed in a year, like $40. <laughs> um, I really need to think all through all this. So this $2 seems absolutely practical, but again, that's limited to Target. This could be any new advertiser. Maybe there was the other advertisers that weren't attracted to this platform because they couldn't do the testing um, that they needed with like Dosh or they didn't have like localized uh, bank customers like they needed with like a smaller bank or, or Bridge, they needed skew level data. So this is, just, this is just an example. But if you could have that additional $2 in customer incentive 
That translates to about $704 million in revenue. Uh, I'm getting that by taking $2 times, uh, so that's $2 of consumer incentive or redemptions. I'm getting revenue by multiplying that by 2.16, which is over the last three years, how much in revenue per consumer incentive. Gets a little messy there. I'll try to talk about this in a little bit uh, because there is a little bit of nuance between the cost per served and cost per revenue model if this conversion will work. So I, I hope to get to that in this. And if I don't, reach out to me. Um, and then I take that because that's per customer or per MAU times 163 million MAUs they currently have. Um, assuming they don't grow anymore, that's $704 million in revenue. Uh, we have to pay you know, the banks, their share and some other fees. So we get a gross profit of 253 million. Um, then cash flow. again, I'm gonna assume Bridgen, uh, Dosh have about equal the current operating expenses as Carlytics, which is about 117 million. We have corporate tax, I'll just assume that's the same at 21%. Depreciated amortization over the last like three years have averaged approximately the same as the capital expenditure. So those about cancel out to cash flow of $108 million. If we assume, you know, it's a you know tech related company, has a long runway, 20 times cash flow is pretty actually, it's actually cheap in comparison to other tech companies uh, or similar in the digital advertising platform. So if we take 20 times free cash flow or essentially take the present value of all future cash flows at 5%, that would get us about a $2.2 billion extra value in comparison to around what, 600 million, uh, less than a billion. So like, and that's under decently conservative assumptions. Again, I totally understand that's the value it brings to Carlytics, not what those maybe were worth and that they that Carlytics could have easily overpaid. We have no idea if they'll execute on this and maybe they never integrated these, maybe it could be awful acquisitions. Time will tell. Competitive advantages. This is important because you have to think, uh, well, if this has no competitive advantages, well, then maybe competitors can come in or other advertising platforms are better. Uh, all these all these thoughts, right? So we have to think about competitive advantage. What is the moat? I'm using a lot of quotes. Don't mean to do that. Those are the words I want to use. <laughs> so from an advertiser standpoint, again, I'm sorry to talk so fast because I know like it's been 30 minutes and I think I'm halfway done. Try to go through this quicker. So, uh, from an advertiser standpoint versus like radio, TV, print, again, you're getting that direct feedback loop. So that's really nice. I know you can do it where if you do, you know, you're targeting based on transactional data, which is maybe better than just like who watches that TV channel. And it's also better for the feedback of saying, oh, they actually use that transaction and they, and they bought something. Um, think of a, a, a radio ad, right? You send out 10% off at this place and people come to your store and you just gave them 10% off even if they didn't see that ad. Right, and it's also hard to track. Like, was the increase that we saw in that localized area, like even on TV, was that due to that ad? And sometimes you can get into it, but like this is exact. We know based on transaction, knowing if they were open the app and then they actually activate, like we can see that with Cardlytics. So that's a huge advantage in comparison to other advertising platforms uh, versus internal uh, emails or apps. Again, it's it's the customers that you don't have that you want, where those are advertising the people you already have. Um, from an advertising standpoint versus like Google, Facebook, or YouTube, we've already talked about this, it's more brand safe um, and it's solicited, right? We're, we're more receptive of it. For banks and them doing this themselves, people say, hey, why can't you know some other bank do themselves? American Express does, right? But they're also a large bank. Think of all the individual, like really small banks, right? They have to create the technology. They have to hire staff. They have to work with the advertisers or build, build out a self-service platform. Seems pretty impractical. Um, and to do all this, you have to, you'll have all these expenses and to, and if you have a very small MAU base of a lot of, not a lot of users, one issue right away you're going to have is not being able to attract enough advertisers that are interested in it. Why go to the small uh, advertising base when I have way more data, way more reach on Cardlytics? Just doesn't even make sense. So they, with that smaller MAU base, they might have smaller uh, average revenue per user, ARPU, 
and that might lead to them not even be able to overcome their actual expenses. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty good for there. Uh, versus another competitor, let's say, you know, I, I raise some money. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna do my own. I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm copying Cardlytics, right? Uh, so one issue again is this like the whole network effect and scale is even if I can get one if let's say I can get one of the uh, the big banks and they come on my platform right um, I don't have enough scale to be attractive in comparison to where Cardlytics is already at an advertiser has to decide okay where am I going to spend my money well I have more data more reach there I'm going to go there right so that becomes hard um, it's also if you think about um, let me see what I say here. I'm just trying to go over all the things I can think of. The other thing with like a small bank, let me just actually read this real quick. Cardlytics already has most of the banks. So the other issue is is once the banks are on here and they're already putting their resource and they're having success, I don't see them really leaving. It's possible. But even if they leave, if you could try, and you know, a competitor comes in and obtains one of the uh, com big banks that Cardlytics already has, uh, well, think of like Chase, and then I don't know the exact number if they have like 50 million users or something like that, but let's just say that, right? And they go on their own. Well, now they have less data than they did in combined, so now they don't have as much advertisers, so they're not going to make as much money. Um, the other thing is, you give me all that money, is a bank going to trust me? Say, hey, I got a proposition for you. I want to integrate in your systems. I want all your bank transactional data. They'll be anonymized, trust me. And then I want to put advertisements on your bank channel. What? Like, that just sounds crazy, right? And another part of this is imagine you're a small bank and you're trying to decide, do you want to go with this new competitor or you want to go where JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, who has much more money, has much more to worry about, they're trusting these people, and you're, you have to make a decision who you're going to go with. That social proof leads you to want to go with those big players. And you have all the effort. You, you, oh, there's just so much to this. And like, security concerns okay so another thing is is you could say well maybe they have a competitor comes in and they also advertise on chase i don't know if that'll even work if you integrate two different softwares in there right or different platforms are you going to start having security concerns of multiple people using that data i just can't see it happening so there's some competitive advantages there google pay so this is one i've tried to spend some time really thinking about when i first heard about this but google pay digital wallet for google uh they have a section for offers very similar the thing is is i can put any of my cards on google pay any of the cards i want and then it just applies to whatever card i want that offer so one advantage google pay definitely has is advertisers are familiar with it if they integrate their platform with the google pay or yeah the google pay offer section like there's all those advertisers who know about it uh and they might have additional insights and additional data that might make it superior but one interesting thing i believe the investor was robert wilson and he, and he said one of his biggest mistakes was early on was selling because of competition, where he failed to recognize that the competition was actually a way to have additional, you know, consumers or in, increase the marketplace. One way to think about this is: imagine all the people that don't understand Carlytics and want to advertise on it, but maybe they already did Google. They've already advertised in Google, and they see the section for Google offer. Uh, yeah, the Google Pay offers. Now they're interested in it. They understand it. Now they see Carlytics, who maybe has more of the transactions, um, and they start to advertise on it. So it's not necessarily a bad thing one area that google pay may lack and this might change but the first time i was reading about it google pay only collects the offers uh, for the transactions made on google pay uh, i do think over time every uh, uh at once ids are digital 
I don't have a reason to hold my wallet, right? So I'll then be using a digital wallet, and so then I'm going to be using much more of uh, my digital wallet or, or Apple Pay um, all the time, right? And so they will get to the point where they're getting a lot of the transactions. But for right now, where I think with small to medium businesses, I, it's under like 50% that have the option to have a, a you know a tap or a Google Pay or, or Apple Pay. And so for now, uh, that the interesting thing is Carlytics is getting all the transactions, regardless if it's you know on a digital wallet or it's in person. So they get more transactions, more data. Um, so that's an interesting thing at this time. So I think both Carlytics and Google Pay can exist at the same time. Um, an interesting thing is like if I place ads on Carlytics, it's it's at the card level, right? So it'll work in person and it'll also work if someone puts it on Google Pay or Apple Pay. And so you can think conversely, if you invert this, right? And, and Google Pay, if you're gonna place an offer on Google Pay, it only works on Google Pay. So if I wanna do an offer also on Apple Pay, now I have to go on Apple Pay. And so there's just more work. It's like, why don't you just do it at the, you know, at, at the easiest level possible? So that's one thing I thought about. And I might be wrong about this. Um, another interesting thing, Google Pay, it's not limited to Android users, like in the restricted sense where it's like, hey, only, you know, Android users can use it. I actually have Google Pay on my phone, but I'm an Apple user. But the thing is, is Apple Pay is like integrated and really easy to use. And so I'm just more likely to always use it. I just have to double click the side of my phone, boom, I can use it. So there's really no reason for me to use Google Pay. And if, if transactions at, are limited to uh, the digital wallet used, it might be really fragmented where, well, even not only data wise, but like Google Pay might only have, you know, a portion of like the US or, or you know, worldwide population that will be on their wallet. Same thing with Apple Pay, where Carlytics could presumably, because it's at the card level, or the bank level that's gonna be funding those, could have a lot more. Might not quite work like that. Uh, time will tell. Another interesting thing with like Apple Pay is, you know, they're doing all the restrictions with like Facebook or, or, or the monitoring uh, for the individual, like, uh, advertiser i can't remember exactly what it's called but they're restricting what can be shared with advertisers and facebook was hurt by this it'd be interesting if apple pay tried to do something where they tried to limit that data because they wanted to get more offers uh but it's the bank's card and it's the bank like it, it'd be interesting but i i don't know it's just something to be following um, but okay, but this is kind of what I was getting at is Cardlytics has the support of the underlying banks because they're working with the banks and the banks make money off them, right? Uh, Cardlytics like pretty much shares like 50% of their revenue with the banks. So and so that's great, right? There's there's all that tailwind. They're working together. Where Google Pay, um, they don't cut the banks in. And so you could see like if, if everything goes to digital wallets, I don't see the banks being like, oh, we don't want you on uh, our card on there because we want our revenue through Carlytics. I don't see that happening because they're going to want at least the card to be used. Um, but I also, I don't know, it, it just, it's an interesting thing that I, I wanted to point out. So anyways, so it's just some of the whole Google Pay thing is, is I, I don't see it, at, it. It's, it's not anything I'm alarmed about. I was at first, I was really like, really thinking about it a lot at first, but now I'm like, I think they can coexist. Um, and there's advantages to Carlytics over Google Pay, like we discussed, and you can read that for more details. So areas for growth, I'm gonna try to go through this kind of quickly. So uh, for advertisers, what might lead to more revenues is just, you know, getting all the small to medium businesses on the platform. That's that's a huge thing, right? Facebook, I think a large portion, if not a significant portion of their revenues from small to medium businesses. Uh, and they're spending really small amounts. Um, 
but those can add up in collectively or they can increase at, at an individual level. Uh, but one really interesting thing that I just found out recently, I was talking to someone who's very familiar with Carlytics and started going through all their, their write-ups. And one interesting thing they said uh, was they saw someone else who was posting about Facebook and saying the reason Facebook was really successful was not because of their network effects per se uh, with the small to medium businesses, but it was that they had an option for, you know, the individual themselves ha could have a Facebook page so that they were already familiar with it. They weren't, it wasn't like some other platform where they didn't understand it. They were familiar with it. Then at the small to medium business level too, uh, they would, they could create a free Facebook uh, page, right? For their business. So they were introduced to it. Then they could do, you know, whatever they want on there. And then they could do, you know, small ad campaigns to increase their, their, um, you know, reach. And so you would start them small and then they could increase up. And then I think the average budget for some of these became like $7,000 or so. I can't quite remember what the exact numbers were per se. But the interesting comparison to Carlytics is you have people that all already have bank accounts. So maybe they'll see these offers and maybe not, but all small to medium businesses have to have a bank account. I have a small to medium business and I have a, a bank account. And so in all my bank account, I have these offers. And so I'm familiar with them, but I'm a little different because I've been following the company. Uh, but imagine then like these larger banks like a JP Morgan or Wells Fargo. And they said, Hey, how about you have your, do your banking here? And we also have our own advertising platform in the banks and we can help you increase your revenue and do better for you at like an additional service and imagine you start integrating all these things with you and dosh and the, i mean there's just there's so much you could start thinking of and this would be a huge section it's it i've seen calculations of what could happen if you start getting all the small and business on here and start doing everything but uh that's just that's a potential area for additional revenue uh increase in higher spend offers like travel or luxury uh, you know you start seeing on dosh you know, you can save, you know, maybe $25, $30 back. Those are much bigger offers than the 5% back on a $5 coffee. Uh, if you start seeing some shifts from other advertising spaces like TV, print, and radio, um, you might see some other shifts where people say, wow, we can be really targeted with customers outside our ecosystem or outside our store uh, and based on transactional information. So that might attract more and more people. Shift from riskier platforms where, you, where it's not as brand safe, like other ones. <laughs> um, and it's more receptive here due to that, the solicited aspect. Um, shift from less targeted abilities from some stuff like Apple. We kind of talked about that, how they're making it harder and harder to advertise. And then the self-service platform would allow more companies to do it themselves and allow other ones who haven't been on there to start doing that as well. You could get, so from the consumer side, we can get more MAUs from just our existing banks um, in the sense that as you know, older generations who aren't using this as like using the digital banking as much, excuse me, if they're not using the digital app, uh, banking as much as that demographic changes where they phase out and you know younger population takes up a, a larger portion of the total demographic, uh, they are more likely to be using digital banking. So we should just get some national MAU growth there. Uh, in terms of average revenue, you start increasing notifications, you'll increase awareness. Dosh does a lot of notifications. And so I think that the banks will probably not do that um, because it kind of ruins their brand, I would think in a way. But uh, you might see them wait until, like we talked about with uh, the CEO, Lynn Lobby saying, they're gonna wait to start doing some email notifications once they have more offers and have more targeted deals, and then they'll let people know. Uh, less friction of activating offers. We talked about that you know, non-activation model and how it may or may, it, could lead to more, but it might not um, due to some of the things we already talked about. More awareness from current users. I've actually seen uh, Chase offer ads on Facebook. So maybe we could see some more from there. Uh, more use after targeting improves and it becomes more relevant. Again, once they send out the email, they'll see it, they'll use it, it attracts more users, they'll have, they'll redeem more, at least more revenue. Uh, banks or the advertisers will like that and they might start using it more because all it goes on and on and on. 
Uh, similar to that, this picture we talked about. Um, okay. Banks, if we can get, if more and more banks get on there, uh, such as American Express, that'd be a huge one. That could be a huge catalyst because that'd be a lot of uh, monthly active users just instantly. It would be more than, I mean, you have the whole proof of concept of like, wow, you know, they were doing this for years and they come onto Cardlytics because they know that they ha they can just pool their resources, have a much bigger scale, attract more advertisers, get more data, and it, everyone's just better off. I don't see that happening, but we can get, you know, there could be other banks coming on um, you know, the smart banks and neo banks that could come on via DOSH and that adds the monthly active users and that increases the scale and the amount of revenue that could come in here. Uh, and again, as more monthly active users enter the platform, uh, more advertisers might be attractive and uh, attracted, so they send more, do more offers and increases ARPU. Carlytics, they could expand into open banking. This is something they've already started doing. Um, one disadvantage where uh, Cardlytics, you know, if they acquire a bank or they integrate with a bank, they'll get all those users, millions of users at one full sweep, uh, where open banking is allowing that individual to give access to their banking. It's their information. The banks don't own it. They can give that bank information to someone else. And because Cardlytics already kind of deals with analyzing that, that data, they can work with other companies that want to start analyzing that and using that. Uh, but the, the thing is, is each user has to give permission to do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, or user-by-user -user basis. So it's just a longer process, presumably. Uh, they could change the pricing. So right now, I think, you know, Cardlytics has pretty good uh, return on ad spend. And so they could essentially increase their... Um, their prices to decrease that ad spend. Uh, other things, they can improve their platform capabilities. Again, we talked about the SKU level daily. You might start attracting a lot more advertisers if you start doing SKU, increasing the revenue and increasing more rev uh, advertisers that can go on the platform. Offers to, so you could start doing some really crazy things here. And I was sitting there thinking how efficient it was that I used uh, uh, Duncan one day to order an offer on my app and then I went in the store picked it up and left right and they didn't even have to talk with me it was really efficient so you could start thinking if you could customize how things are done and I know Dosh has actually done this um, which was interesting but I think they were tracking the app movement so if Apple does their thing it might not work but that's getting really outside here but essentially if you could if you had capabilities to promote certain behaviors or certain ways of doing things, um, more advertisers might really like that. Uh, similar, you can advertise during certain times. I talked about how Popeyes and Dunkin' Donuts, I, I believe those were the two I mentioned before, on Dosh had things where it was like, between this and this time, um, maybe they weren't as busy, they were trying to promote people to come there with a higher offer. And again, as you increase that user interface right now, we just have these logos. At one time, they were they were changing, like some of them would change, and maybe the, the advertisers had to pay a little bit more for that, but you can imagine they could pay more to have like a little video or their placement where they're higher up or or they're bigger kind of like dosh they have you know some different placements um there's a lot you could do there new revenue streams i think uh i think they've mentioned in the past like they could say oh we could help you know uh lenders with the data of getting like for their like their credit report sending them actual like transaction level data i don't see that happening because it's all anonymized and then they have to be giving that individual level data to that person i just don't see that but in terms of real estate uh you could have you know planners who say hey carlytics we want to know the data of where all the transactions are at this time and where they're trending and and maybe that's something that's more general where they could help them out and sell that money or sell that information uh additional revenue again they talked about with bridge how maybe it could be more like a measurement business like nielsen um and other so one interesting thing is you have all these small to medium businesses who might be like well we don't understand this we cannot do this ourselves right and so that becomes really interesting that you could have another advertiser who says, uh, 
or like an ad agency at the smaller scale or some like third party who creates a website and says, hey, for all these people, we advertise on, you know, the bank channel, we'll do it for you. Um, and so they don't have to worry about analyzing the data themselves. They don't have to learn how to advertise, but someone else does it. Cardlytics and the banks still love it because they're still getting ad revenue and the consumers still like it because they're getting uh, new offers, um, and especially maybe some of the more like local small uh, businesses that are in their area. Next one, Lollapalooza factors, psychological factors by Charlie Munger. Giving full credit where it's deserved. I love this. Uh, one of my favorite books, Poor Charlie's Almanac. I literally, literally have it right next to me. Uh, so these, I, I give him credit because I'm using verbatim what these offers or these uh, factors are. And so this becomes really interesting. I, I love when I can find a company that has these. He, he, he talks about in his book about like Coke and how all the, you know, there was all these psychological factors working together to create that Lollapalooza effect with Coke. And I, there's not, these aren't perfect, but it becomes really interesting, especially some of them. So if we just walk through this, uh, and the thing with the Lollapalooza factor is, for those of you who don't know, is when you have multiple psychological or human uh, factors of misjudgment working together, you could have some crazy effects like the, the Milgram experiment or other or other crazy things that went on. So one, in, for consumers, incentive cause bias, right? I'm incentivized to go use Disney Plus. I mean, 15% back, I mean, that's pretty good. I actually just uh, didn't renew. And that's actually really interesting. And now I'm thinking about it. So availability and misweighting tendency. I'm now thinking more about Disney Plus because I saw that offer. That's all advertising. That's the point of it is the availability and misweighting tendency. But it's still there. And again, it's, it's, it's solicited versus unsolicited. So I'm really thinking about it. Uh, commitment bias, right? I'm clicking that ad. I'm committed to it. I'm thinking about it. I've like pronounced it almost. Uh, that's a little bit weaker, but it's still there. Debrival super reaction. Um, again, these are time bound, right? 27 days left, 11 days left. Uh, so that becomes really interesting, right? Because it's like, I they've given me this offer, offer and it's now it's like, oh, I don't want that taken away. I better use it before I lose it, right? Almost kind of like the reciprocation tendency. They gave me it, so I almost feel like I need to use it. You don't need to add that to the list. Reasoning, respect, uh, respecting or justification tendency and liking. Uh, so people might justify making purchases because they have an offer. Oh, we might as well go here. We have an offer. Or they might see, I, it might be a little small, but this is the total amount someone's redeemed. <laughs> this one's $324 of money they've saved. But someone really likes that. They like seeing that up. So they start using the app more and that maybe builds a habit and more consistency and commitment. And there's all these little things. So one interesting thing, and I've wrote about this and talked about this before, is operant conditioning with a variable schedule of rewards, right? And so they're rewarding me with an offer and I'll get a new offer every now and then, right? I'll check my app and there's a new offer. But what Cardlytics does, that's really interesting. So uh, PF Skinner had an experiment, I believe it was either with mice or pigeons, where they would uh, have this little pellet or this lever. And if they hit it, uh, like the mouse, uh, they would say they would see like a pellet would come out, right? And if they did it, let's say it was every day, a medium-sized one at 8 a.m., right? Soon they'll recognize the pattern and they just need to hit it one time a day, one time a day, and they'll get their reward. But if you varied that and it was completely random, uh, where you did, maybe you did three days with nothing, no pellet came out, but then you did like three or four in the morning one day and they're of different sizes, right? There's no pattern to be recognized. So they're just sitting there constantly hitting it, right? They're just, they have no idea, they just want the food and they don't know what to do. And it becomes really addicting. I become addicted to checking my app. Um, and I think it started with, I was thinking, oh, I can track this by seeing the new offers and new companies. And, but there's a dopamine rush when you get new offers, right? Like it's like, oh, new offer. You're like, yes. And then it's like, I go back the next day and it's not there. And it's like, oh, but then it is like a few hours later. So I'm like, oh, so I, I've developed that habit because I can't, there's no pattern to it that I've recognized. This could be completely by chance, completely random that they're doing this. Uh, if, if not, 
good on them. It's, it's really interesting. Commitment consistency, those long integration times and big banks are usually more sticky. Social proof for other banks, they see the big banks using them, so they might think we should use them too. Interesting factors, short sellers. So there is some level of the float shorter, not anything like crazy. I don't think there's not gonna be like a short squeeze or anything, uh, but it, I do like that because maybe, you know, some of those short sellers are gonna have to cover at some points. It's also really nice because some of those short sellers or people that are really, you know, bears against the company post a lot of things and you can have, you know, really, you can try to be really nice and have good discussions and ask questions and understand what it is that they don't like about the company. And if they're wrong or, or for, from your perspective, that's great. But, it, you know, obviously it becomes a concern if, they're telling you what's wrong with the company. You're like, oh my gosh, that's right. So that's why it's good to you know look at them. So I've seen you know many investors talk about that they don't you know don't see a value in the company. That banks can do them themselves. That card like offers are so old and no one uses those anymore. And there's no proof in their earnings. Uh, maybe everything will be right. I don't know. Inflation. You have some operating leverage. So I think if you had like a three percent increase in uh, the products that are sold, and then you had a three percent increase in revenue uh, because you know the expenses are generally fixed at going to 3%, I think you would have some of that benefit of the inflation. That That's, I, I need to think about that a little bit better, but I mean, the bigger advantage is the operating leverage. Um, so intrinsic value. Okay, so this is important. I will try to go over th everything best I can. Um, so there's tons of people who have went over and tried to value Carlytics in many very great ways. And so I didn't want to just repeat what everyone else does or, or, or has done in the past. So I wanted to think about this slightly different. I actually go through a calculation that is more general and not like this. Uh, I'll just do it real quick just to walk through it to show you that. that I've, I've considered other things where I, th I took the total U.S. digital ad spend, which I think in 10 years, maybe it, it'll grow a little bit more and get to about $200 billion. I think right now it's around $120, $130 billion without political ad spend. Um, and if card list, this is totally arbitrary, but if they could get 2.5% of, of that as billings, um, which is $5 billion, and then they you know, have to pay out the banks, or no, not yet, that's billions, then they pay out the consumer incentive, that leaves about you know, $3 billion of ad revenue, they have 36% over the last three years was their average gross profit margin, that gets you $1.2 of gross profit, operating expenses, taxes, you get down to cash flow, because remember the depreciation and amortization are canceling out with the capital expenditures, so we get about $800 million of cash flow, times $30, uh, 30 times cash flow, kind of high, uh, but that gets you about $24 billion, and we're tr currently trading at $4 billion. So that was just one way to think about it. That was assuming no growth in MAUs. And that was that was based on current MAUs. I, no, there was no MAU calculation in that one. But that ignores the international revenue. So that's interesting. Uh, okay, so one way I went about this is I thought, what better way to know it, what people actually do than what people are currently doing now, right? And so I actually asked friends and family how many, what, how much offers have they actually redeemed that shows up in their account, right? My pool that I sampled is so small, so small, you can't really uh, take a conclusion off of this, right? That's why I go under and do some more conservative assumptions. Uh, but what I can say is, well, this is practical. This is what people have actually redeemed. And so I get an average between all these people of $24.30, okay? Um, is it reasonable to assume within 10 years that on average, what people are doing that I'm seeing in this pool, that everyone does that in 10 years. Well, if more offers come on here, you get the skew level data, you have Dodge and more banks and like, maybe, right? It's not unreasonable. More better comparison, if we take that same conversion I talked about earlier, of transferring consumer incentive to revenue, and we'll talk about this a little more in a bit, um, that gets me about $52 of ARPU, okay? Well, that's 
on the higher end of other social media or or digital advertising platforms. Um, but it's not crazy, and especially given all the benefits we talked about. And again, this is like 10 years from now, more mature company. Uh, if we had just assumed that monthly active users stay the same, um, so if we take that 52 times 163, we're getting $8.6 billion revenue. We have our gross profit margins, about 36% over that last three years. That, so that's $3.1 billion of gross profit. We have our operating expenses, taxes. Now we get down to $2.3 billion of cash flow. And if we assume a 20 times cash flow, a little bit more conservative, we get to $46 billion uh, of for the company, which are currently at 4.5. So about 10 times for that. Um, so that just becomes interesting. But someone might r really say, you know, that $24 one is completely arbitrary. And also, you know, that's too high. Well, I said, okay, well, what if it was just 25% of that? What would that be like? Again, five to 10 years from now. Well, that leads to $6 in consumer incentive. You go through all the math um, and we get back to about $9 billion um, in market cap. That's where that $9 billion is. I always forget you guys, I'm covering up some of this. Uh, worst case scenario, this could go zero. There's not a lot of debt, so I don't think it's going to be that. But again, there's operating leverage, so maybe uh, you know they don't generate enough revenue as the advertisers go advertisements go down, and they can't pay everything, and then you know goes to zero, or a competitor comes along. There's much a better platform, and there's so much. I think that's minimal. I mean, if they can keep you know having the restricted use of all those users in the bank channel, like I think they could figure out something. But it doesn't guarantee that the current market cap stays where it's at. But it does, you know, maybe it does. Maybe it does go to zero, right? I mean, that's always the worst scenario. Uh, current scenario, I wanted to back into what I thought the current, based on the $4.5 billion market cap, kind of do like a reverse uh, discounted cash flow uh, uh, testing here. I wanted to say how much is the consumer incentive baked into the assumption. And right now it's about a little less than $4, right? And if you assumed on average, everyone was spending uh, $10 per item at 10% off, um, that's a dollar of redemption or consumer incentive per time. So to get to what's currently baked in the current market cap, that's about once a quarter someone's doing something. And what I like about that is I think, okay, that's not, it's not crazy high. Like I could see that being much higher, but it's also like, it's realistic. So it's like that if, if that we're trying to think over the next 10 years and we're trying to discount that back to today, it's like, I feel like it's the, the company isn't priced insanely high in in relation to you know something like this this was just kind of a nice grounding of understanding like what's baked in and it shows where there's a lot of potential if you know because arpu on this would be technically it would be like about double right so it'd be eight dollars which is on the smaller end for the other social media or digital ad advertising platforms and you know we've kind of talked about why this might be a better platform uh, so some of my assumptions, the $2 or $16 of revenue. So one, one thing that's interesting is how I did this is I took the total revenue divided by the consumer incentive. Well, there's two different pricing models. We talked about this, the CPS and CPR, consumer uh, cost per serve sale and cost per redemption. It's possible that the cost per served sale model is the consumer incentive associated with that is all that's shown in the 10K. And so technically, if I'm thinking about this right, and I might be wrong, so please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, because the consumer incentive, I think, is paid by the advertiser on the cost per redemption model, that fee, the consumer incentive, might not be on the 10K. And so if I'm assuming, you know, that 52 or the, the $24, right, is for all consumer incentives under all pricing models, then I'm using that $2.16 over the CI that's actually for just the CPS model. Well, then I'm I'm being I'm being too aggressive. So I do a calculation down below, assuming that when we're doing that assumption, um, that it's actually a smaller base. 
and I'll walk through that here in a sec. Uh, again, 163 million users. That's currently where they're at. 36% gross profit margin based on the last three years. 200 op uh, in operating expenses based on, well, right now I think they're at 117 million uh, for Cardlytics alone, but they acquired Adoption Bridge, so that'll increase. 21% corporate tax rate, that'll probably increase. We talked about CapEx, offsetting depreciation and amortization. Uh, 20 times cash flow. One way to think about this, uh, if I take the present value future cash flows, um, the, the simple math behind that is taking the present value of cash flows divided by I minus G. It's just taking, like, I'm an actuary. And, like, one of the first, like, things we learn about is, like, discounting annuities and the annuity payments, right? And you figure out, like, a annuity, a perpetuity annuity that goes on forever. And you can solve the math, and it becomes this nice little formula here where it's the, the interest rate minus the growth rate. Um, and you can actually discount all those future cash flows back to today. And so if we just assume that over the next, you know, like for the, the risk-free rate on average over the next few years is like 5% and we add a little, you know, becomes a more mature company over those times. So the, the risk premium decreases, uh, the growth rate, again, it'll, it'll probably gr decrease a little bit uh, because it, it, as it grows, it, further growth is going to probably have to decline. Um, so if we go through that math, we're essentially getting cash flow divided by 5%. And if you divide by 5%, that's actually 20 times cash flow. Uh, other people might disagree that, that that's the way you need to think about it, but that's, that's how I think about it. Um, so I think though, an interesting aspect of this is 20 times cash flow. If you actually did like, if you're doing comparable uh, ratios and you looked at other like Facebook or Google or something like that. And those are different businesses, but you know, 20 times paid for those would be actually probably pretty good because you start factoring all the operating leverage, the technology, the, the, uh, the growth potential. So those, I mean, I remember people talking with Facebook trading at 30 times cash flow, and they're like, that's ridiculous, right? That's too low. So it's interesting. So if I change the assumptions, one, the one thing I'll change is I'll say over the next five to 10 years, we'll get up to 200 monthly active users. And instead of 20 times cash flow, I assume 30. I do all those same calculations and I get to an $85 billion cash flow. Again, link down below if you want to go through this and check my work. We talked about changing the, the stuff for the, cons, uh, the different pricing models. And if I just ch change it where, so right now, most of the advertisements or most of the revenue, and I think it's 70% is under the cost per served model versus the cost per redemption. So if I just adjust this to reduce it so that the consumer incentive that's shown on the 10k is also just the on the cost per serve model i get 17 dollars consumer incentive times now the actual ratio that 2.16 of total revenue based on the cost per serve uh consumer incentive and i take that's my total arpu times 200 um and i go through the math do the same thing i still get even being more conservative with what i'm doing um i'm getting about 58 billion dollars cash flow or 58 billion dollar market cap we already talked about the total us uh what it would be under the total us digital ad spend so one way to think about this is those are all different scenarios, different things happening, not technically because I'm using the same assumptions, but if these were, if we just wanted to take the average or assume these had equal probabilities, we get to a market cap of uh, 44 billion. And you say, whoa, you skipped over the zero scenario. Yes, but if we assume that that scenario of going to zero is 75%, I think that's pretty high. And then 25% of the, all of the other scenarios or 5% each, we still get an expected value of $11 billion. Current market cap, 4.5. That's interesting, right? I do the same thing with the Kelly formula, which is again, the, the expected value, if you just like shift things around, you get how the Kelly formula works, which is really interesting. But the Kelly formula, for those that are not familiar, it's just a way of saying how much of a bankroll do you want to bet? The issues with it is it really assumes that the probabilities you're using are over a long period of time, over many different scenarios. Like if I was flipping 10,000 coins, I'm more likely to get that 50-50 uh, heads versus tails of the fair coin because we have the law of large numbers and those uh, distributions and probabilities tend to get to what you would
would actually expect. But if you did 10 flips, it's not unreasonable that I could get 10 heads in a row. Um, so it gets really interesting where, well, one, we're using very subjective uh, or, uh, percentages here, right? But the other thing is, is we're doing one scenario. It's either going to go there or here. There's not like tons and tons of di different scenarios. So the one thing I like about Kelly formula is just seeing that there's a positive Kelly formula. I, I'm not using it saying, oh, I need to use 16.5 or allocate 16.5% to my uh, my portfolio to Carlytics, right? I don't think like that. Um, but what I do like seeing is saying, okay, given the probability of success versus failure and in relation to the amount of outsized gain in relation to what I could lose, is this a decent bet? Like, should I even consider it? Because you start doing this with some of them, it just makes no sense, right? If like there's a really large probability you're going to lose a lot of money and you can't gain much in a small probability, you shouldn't do that. And you'll get like a non-negative Kelly, uh, but you could also probably see that with an expected value formula. Biggest risk, I, I've kind of talked about this before, but the biggest risk as I see it is we're not getting enough monthly active, or not, oh, not enough offers on the platform or offers actually decline. So you can't attract the offer or the users to actually use them. Um, and revenue goes down, banks aren't interested. This just like, like I always try to think in terms of what's the one thing that needs to happen such that if that happens, everything else works. And my thought is, is we can get more and more advertisers on the platform. There's more to select from. There's more relevant offers. You then you can send that email. They're more interested. They start using it. It leads to more people, uh, more more uh, consumers have redeemed. You get attracts more advertisers. Now more banks want to be on here. Now there's more data. There's more people. Like it's just so the biggest risk is the inverse of that, which is not getting enough advertisers enough ads on there. So a real big catalyst is having that self-service platform. Because that will lead to more, you know, ad agencies who have all those advertisers underneath them that they can start placing the ads on there and get other, you know, other businesses going on and getting more uh, uh, offers and revenue on there. So this is big. Self-service platform supposed to happen this year. We'll see. The other catalyst would be someone like American Express joining. Again, um, they're doing all their stuff like orchestra and all their other personalization benefits, and they spent so much time and a long time on it. I don't see it happening, but it would be a big catalyst, not even beyond the whole you know huge spike in MAUs that you know Carlytics would have under their their belt. But it would also just be like a proof of like, hey, you know, someone like American Express even realizes they need to they they don't have enough uh, users to attract the kind of scale that all these advertisers want and they could even benefit and make way more money they working with Carlytics. I don't think it'll happen, low probability, but it's a catalyst. Conclusion, I'll just read this, we'll see what I said. Due to competitive advantage to current scale, Carlytics is well positioned in the digital advertising area. The targeting ability based on transaction and purchase history becomes more appealing as other restrictions apply on other advertising platforms. With psychological factors acting as a tailwind and given the potential upside for the current price, in relation to multiple ranges of intrinsic value, there seems to be good upside with possible limited downside as long as more advertisers use Cardlytics. That's it. I got some sources. I have all the websites, uh, investor presentation, notes, Klesosin, CAS, investment partners, uh, spoke on yet another value channel. Watch this. It's amazing. Cliff does a lot, a, a very good job clarifying so many details. Um, Psychological factors, but uh, poor Charlie's Almanac. Here were some of my numbers of how I was trying to calculate that. It's really small, so again, I'll, you can link it down below. But where I'm getting that 216 and calculating some more of my numbers. So, thank you. If you've watched this so far, you're amazing. I mean, I would. <laughs> uh, we just did that in an hour and nine minutes. I try to go that, through that really quickly. There's still a lot in here. Read through it. 
tell me where I'm wrong. Message me. I love talking about this stuff. Um, I put my Twitter at 24/7. I have a website, uh, 24/7. You can reach out to me there. There's a little, there's a couple little articles, but most of this is on my Substack, uh, where it'll be in the description both below. So I'm super interested to see what happens with card lifts in the future. Uh, it's a really fun company to, to look at, and I had a really good time discussing it. So, uh, guys and ladies, thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.